But I want you to think of it more like dominoes and think of if I hit down the first domino, then all the rest of the things are going to kind of fall in place. Is your child's challenging behavior leaving you feeling exhausted, defeated, and hopeless? You are not alone. And I want you to know you are not a failure and your child is not broken. Welcome to Calm the Chaos Parenting, the podcast for parents raising strong-willed, highly sensitive, or neurodivergent children. I'm Dana Abraham, parenting expert, and I have helped hundreds of thousands of families just like yours. Each week, I'll share simple science-backed solutions to help you feel more grounded, in tune, and deeply connected to your child, no matter what challenge you face. Start your journey from surviving to thriving as a family at CalmTheChaosPodcast.com. So did you see the ruckus that I caused on the Facebook page this week? One, two, three, tragic? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I was not expecting that to happen. People don't like being called out on traditional discipline methods. Basically, for those of you that didn't see, I posted about my why behind our book, because I really want to dismantle one book in particular, because I remember when we were raising our kids and we were getting advice, there was this one book that was just always handed to parents, was all handed to us. And I would say at least three to four times a week, we have a parent come to us and say, I tried this book and it made things worse. Would you agree? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So I, I made this post on Facebook and I was like, I really want our book to, you know, be a catalyst that with other books, there are some amazing experts and people out there doing amazing work out in the world with new research and what we know about children today. And it dismantles traditional discipline methods because they are completely ineffective. And one book in particular um, has parents count out, like basically you go to your kids ahead of time and you say, so I've been thinking of parenting a different way. And they say, oh, okay, I'm so interested, mom and dad. And then <laughs> then they say, okay, so basically when I ask you to get off your electronics, you're just going to do it. And if you talk back or if you, you know, argue I'm just going to count. And I, I can't even keep a straight face. <laughs> okay. I actually reread the book this weekend to make sure that I was not. Like getting it right. That I was getting it right. Yeah. That I wasn't making. Okay. So at the count of one, it's a warning. And it reminds everybody to kind of like, I think it's supposed to be your pause. Like you're, I'm, I'm being calm. Right. So you say one and then two is like, that's it, mister, basically. But you're, you're kind of going like two. And then if your kid happens to say something like really smart mouth, you say three and five more minutes for that smart mouth. So, so, but, and then they're supposed to go to their room. Wait, wait, like, does it say smart mouth like yes. in, in type? Yes. Yeah. It's like, and you know. And then add add 10 minutes for your smart mouth or something like that. Is this like a, a farcical book? No. And then you're not supposed to talk to them while they're in their room. You're supposed to let them just stay in there and calm down and think on their own. And then you're supposed to reward the good things that you see from them. And this book is still handed out 
daily. That's the pain part, right? I think like, that's the hard part. When you're like, doctor, I need help. And the doctor who has no idea is just like, well, the last three doctors here told me to recommend this book. So I guess I'm just doing the same thing. Well, and we've had doctors in our program and they've taught pediatricians and they've told us that they learn about all of the medical things around the body and around children. They do not learn about discipline and parenting strategies. And so we get a lot of doctors in our program who actually say this needs to be in every pediatrician's hands because they're the go-to that parents go to. I, I caused an uproar for two parts. One, because I was a little snarky and I made fun of this book. And you snarky? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what happened. But really, I, I kind of like laid it out there that this book I believe is dangerous. I believe is harmful. And I think that it's guiding people in the absolute wrong direction. Yeah, it's it, it seems to be based in separation and just like, I'm better than you. I know what you need. You don't know anything. Like, it's just very separatist. Like, well, it strange. actually says multiple times throughout the book that the parent is the one in charge. And sorry, whoever wrote that book, you wrote it 50 years ago or however long it's been now and... I, I honestly, I don't think it served its purpose at the time, and it certainly isn't serving its purpose now. Oh, my gosh. That was part of the comments, is that I'm all for the fact that this book served its purpose at its time. <laughs> I don't. You were like, like it's, it's teaching parents to be parents. And that's not true. No, here's the, the thing is in the this is where I was going is in the comments. This person was like, the whole point of this book was to move parents away from hurting their kids. Would you rather parents hurt their kids? And I'm like, wait a second. That's a low bar. So we're just <laughs> we're just comparing and judging parenting <sighs> programs based on if the parenting program tells you to hit your kid. So right. in that sense, I'll, I it's will give, good. I'll give you credit for making one step away yeah. from just whacking your so kids. So in that sense, it's all about like how to discipline your kids without spanking them, which is very disconnecting. And there's a lot that can hurt yourself and your kid and your relationship. And so please, please, please do your best to walk away from that method, right? We're not here to judge Ooh. or harm, but like. When, when in the shame. hell is violence the right answer? I just, I, I, know, I know. I like I'm radical here in my opinion. That's what it feels like. Well, you know, I think <laughs> I think that there are people in there are parents that are like you're absolutely radical in your opinion and then there are people that can't believe that that is still a method that is used today. Traditional methods of timeouts and punishments and taking things away and lecturing and talking it out and explaining. And that was sure. the other thing and, and is they were saying like, well, you can't just explain it away. Like my kid would have argued till they were blue in the face. And that's not the answer either for helping your kids learn. It's not the answer for getting ahead of tantrums or meltdowns or outbursts. It's none of those are the answer. And that's what we're talking about in today's episode. Today, we're going to be talking about getting ahead of the challenge. So we've already talked about how to ride it out when things are really, really challenging. We've talked about how to have enough time and energy so that you can have energy to go into the next battle. And then we've talked about what to say and do to diffuse the situation. But today we're going to talk about how do we quit playing parenting whack-a-mole? How do we quit going from 
struggle to struggle to struggle to struggle, constantly feeling like there's just another, as soon as you solve one problem, there's another one. I just talked to a parent today and she was talking about how everything feels like a struggle because there's there's an argument over whether we're going to put our shoes on. There's an argument over whether we're going to turn off electronics. There's an argument over if we're going to go bike ride. I mean, she said that every move seems like it just, it's like, she didn't say this, but moving through molasses and it's really stressful. And that's what we're going to talk about today is moving through the roadmap into that new stage, which is getting ahead of the moment. Yes. When you have the right lens on, right? When you're getting ahead of the the struggles or the problems that you're having, your role is the problem-solving partner. Yeah. At this point, we're really becoming collaborative with our kids. We are becoming more of a team with our kids. And up until this point, it really, all of the plans are focused on us, the parent, because if we don't have a calm presence, if we're not able to shift our mindset, if we're not able to ride the storm and be able to be supportive for our kids, then we're never going to be able to teach them skills or to problem solve with them. And so we're at this stage because we've worked through all those other things. And and at this stage, when you're a problem-solving partner, the biggest challenge is just that, like, let's stop playing parenting whack-a-mole. Let's stop jumping from item to item to item and let's get strategic and let's work with our kids. And the goal here is to become a guide and a mentor versus a disciplinarian. Yeah. And what I love about this, right, and when we come from this problem-solving perspective, what I like to think of it is when you view something as a problem, right, if you're like, oh, I've got a problem kid or I've got a problem situation, you are immediately putting yourself in like juxtaposition to that, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're now the enemy, right? And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be, you know, I don't want my kid to be the enemy. That's Mm -hmm. not what I'm into, right? So when we come from a problem, like solution, problem solving focus, Mm -hmm. now we're getting our curious hat on, right? How are we going to approach this solution? How can I best support my kids? How can I best support me in this situation? And then we can move forward. Yeah, and this is the stage where we're really starting to empower our kids to really understand themselves and to be able to start advocating for themselves in a way that maybe in the past they haven't had the skills to do it. They haven't had the awareness even to be able to advocate for themselves. And that's what we're really working on in this stage. Now, before we talk about a couple of examples from, we talked about some with the book that we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, but before we dive into that, I would love to have just a little back and forth conversation about this like big D word. You comfortable with that? Department store? No. Do you know any other D words? Donkey Kong? Please. This is a G-rated podcast. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, no other words are coming to your mind. No. A discipline. Oh, that D word. That D word. The big like, D word. What are you talking about? No, because I think that it causes a lot of uh, a lot of strain, I think, for so long parents, experts, therapists, we focused on this D word, on discipline and the meaning of it and what it means and how to discipline when I really think we should be focusing on a different thing, which is how do we guide our children 
to be more compassionate for themselves and more compassionate towards others. And if we do that, we will do that in a way that is gentle and kind and loving and yeah. open and, and curious versus there's a lot of gray area when it comes to the word discipline, because I hear all the time and you'll see memes of it of like discipline means to teach. And I was like, yeah, but like way back in Roman times, they used discipline means to teach and they taught you by like stoning you like I don't want to discipline my child by using those methods to quote unquote teach them. So I think there's just too much gray area when we use that as our backbone or as our framework for how to help our kids, because there's just, there's no clear path forward when you use that as the example. If your goal in this stage is to become your child's guide and mentor, right, to me, that means you're coming to the table like in a state of self-leadership, right? You're trying to take a look at it from all angles. You're removing the emotion from the situation, right? You're maybe doing that stop, breathe, anchor. You're showing them how to manage your emotions, mm -hmm. right? And the thing I know about kids, right, especially younger kids, uh, is that they're sponges, right? Mm -hmm. So if they're watching you turn like a bad situation, turn it internally, stop, do a check on yourself, and then say, okay, whew, I'm ready. How are we going to deal this? How are you doing? How are we doing? What are the facts, right? Okay, cool. Let's assemble this. What if we do this? What if we do that, right? Now you're approaching the situation in a leadership, right? Instead of self-protection, mm -hmm. right? Where you're just angry and ah, I'll hit you or I'll yell at you until you get my way. You're making me uncomfortable, now you're like, okay, hey, how can we work together to solve this problem? And if that is what your kid is sponging up, man, like mm -hmm. look out like next generation and then two generations and three generations, like the ripple effect of teaching your kids how to approach things with self-leadership is going to be wild. Well, and we're teaching our kids how to think instead of what to think. And, yeah. and this is less about what we're doing in the moment. We really are doing this when there isn't stress, when there isn't chaos. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and going, I don't have a moment without chaos. Well, guess what? Go back to one of the prior episodes because you have to really work through those stages first before you can get to these moments of solace and these moments of peace to be able to work on these pieces that we're going to walk you through today because they do have to happen in those in-between, in those calmer moments. Now, I would still encourage you to listen to this episode if you're still in survival mode, if things are still really rough, because what you do, these teeny tiny things you do in this stage, in these steps, will help you with that survival mode. Okay. Now, we've been talking, you know, about kind of like, what we don't want, what we do want. We're, we're at a pretty high level here. Like, why don't we bring it down a little bit uh, and talk about some examples? Electronics is a big one. Like making a plan to get off of electronics. A lot of times parents will come and they'll say, all right, after this episode, all right, in five minutes, we're going to turn off. In two minutes, we're going to turn off. And then they come and they said, we said it was the last time to get off. All right, get off, you know. And then now you're in this power struggle to get off because you're in a transition. So that might be one example of when you would use an ahead of the moment plan. You're not making the plan ahead of when you need them to do the thing. You're actually making the plan like way ahead. And then you're reminding them before they start their electronics. Hey, remember the other day we... 
were doing a huddle, we were talking things out, and we made a plan for the next time we did electronics. And and what was it that you said you were going to do? Oh, yeah. Okay. But what if you struggle to get off? Okay. All right. And how do you need me to help you? Okay. All right. So we have a plan. We remember it. All right. Let's go do electronics. So this plan isn't happening just five minutes before. That's not ahead of the moment plan. It's happening way before. So that's one example. Well, sure. you and think of one? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, you bought me some time. But... <laughs> And this plan, it's not one and done, right? Mm-hmm. There is an evolution. There are things that work, right? It's, it's you got the result from the plan or you got the lesson you needed to make a better plan, right? And you keep going and it's an evolution and your kid's mm-hmm. going to evolve and grow in their own, you know, just regular development. And mm-hmm. what works today may not work three months from now, yeah. right? It's, there is just always change and shift. And, and when you're flexible, you can stick with that, Um one of the things that I was thinking about is uh, bedtimes. Ooh, that's a big one. Right. Are you bringing out your hack again? No. From the last <laughs> no, episode? No, no, no. This isn't about <laughs> hacks, right? A lot of the times, uh, people will struggle with bedtime routines, right? And we get a lot of, you know, oh, they want a drink of water. They have to go and get their favorite blankie. And then they have to go hug the dog. And just, you know, parents think, oh, he's pulling out every last excuse to avoid going to bed, Mm -hmm. right? And again, like that implies that he's the enemy and And you have to like- he's being manipulative. he's being manipulative, right? And and You should just count one, two, three. Yeah, and the solution is to count one, two, three and poof. Yeah, and the good news is that the solution would be to be put in your bedroom and so then they'd go to bed. Yeah, and then you don't have to talk to them. Yeah, because they're in the bedroom. No, 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 no. That would not be. But we would how do that. Do you, how do you give them five minutes time out for smart mouthing if they're in the bedroom and you can't talk to them? I, you know, that's a great question. There's a lot of loopholes. There's in this, a lot of a lot of loopholes which our son would have found. Actually, he did find. <laughs> did find. Most kids are struggling with the transition of awake to asleep, right? There's no greater transition there between that, right? And a lot of the the kids in our audience are struggling with any transition, let alone this humongous one of like, oh my God, I love being alive. This is the best place ever. Oh, I have to go to sleep, right? A lot of kids can't shut their brain off, mm-hmm. right? They're going a mile a minute and you're like, yeah, go to sleep. And you're like, whoa, 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 we got to slow the train down mm-hmm. first, right? So making an ahead of the moment plan to build a routine, right? To set up uh, kind of like, here's my sleep spot, right? So like right. when you go to the room that you're going to sleep in, like it's, well, it's to, sleep time. It really is about understanding why are they delaying bedtime? Where is that coming from? And we've talked a lot about understanding being a huge piece of all of our plans, but plans can't be handed down by parents. It can't just be, this is our new bedtime routine. I found it on Pinterest today. Exactly. It has to be something that is, okay, I've, I've dug into this and I've started noticing that at bedtime, it takes us a while and there's lots of things happening. You're having this conversation at lunch three days before you want to deal with it. And because you're really, it's about being proactive. It's not about being reactive in the situation. And even our middle guy, right? He's 15, he's a freshman in high school, right? He is staying up a little bit later. And then I noticed that it's like, hey man, each day you're going to bed later and later. And 
what's happening is the next day you are waking up later and later, Mm -hmm. right? You normally wake up at 6 a.m. on your own. And now I got to rustle you out of bed at eight o'clock and the guy's coming, you know, knocking on the door to pick you up in five minutes, Mm -hmm. right? Like this isn't working out for you, right? You're tired. You're exhausted. I I just said, we need a new plan. What do you think? Right. And he's like, I think you're right. I'm going to, I'm going to adjust. Right. And he did. Right. And then a couple of weeks went by and it started to get later and later. And we had the same talk. He's like, yeah, I think you're right. Right. Eventually he's going to figure it out at the same time. He's also a teenager and he's going to kind of, you know, adjust his bedtime at how he sees fit. Right. Mm -hmm. And, as far as, you know, I'm concerned, he's still getting pretty good grades. He's still taking care of himself. He's still a good, like, mm-hmm. active member of our family, right? He helps take care of the house and everything. So I'm, I'm not really going to, like, give him five minutes of time out right. for smart-mouthing. Right. I mean, not that he's smart-mouthed, but... I don't think he's smart-mouthed. Maybe he was like, yeah, I think you're right, Dad. And I'm like, five minutes for you! Dana here, and guess what? My book, Calm the Chaos, has officially launched. So if you enjoy the podcast and find the stuff we're sharing valuable... I'm 100% sure you're going to love the book. You can get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you use this link, you'll also get some special bonuses. So once again, the link is calmthechaosbook.com. Thanks. I hope you're enjoying the show. These have been some really good examples. Plus, we've got given a lot of strategies for getting ahead of those things. But let's talk about the actual plan, because all of our plans that we build are built with the Calm the Chaos framework, which just as a reminder, that is you connect, understand, empower. So it's four steps. And they get a little bit more, I don't know if advanced is the right word, but the plans get a little bit yeah, advanced is probably the right word. Like you're you're stacking skills on top of each other. And the plan in Ride the Storm was really simple. You could remember it even in your worst moments. This one's a little more elaborate. And I do think if for nothing else, getting the book for this, this plan is really, really helpful because it's really meaty and there's a lot that you can do here. So we're going to talk really high level on this plan and kind of talk about the steps you go through. And then we can always do some episodes in the future for questions people have. We could do a whole episode on just a couple of these steps. So the four steps are, like I said, you connect, understand, empower. And when you're getting ahead of the moment, that means that for you, you're honing in and focusing on one primary chaos causer that is wreaking havoc on your family. So this is something like, you know, instead of trying to solve everything, sibling and uh, sibling fighting and going to bed and getting out the door in the morning and getting off electronics and eating snacks in the middle of the night and leaving shoes on the floor. I mean, you've got a list a mile long of things that you're trying to solve and you're going to feel like parenting whack-a-mole. Like you're just like trying to hit every single little thing that's going on. But instead, I want you to think of it more like dominoes and think of if I hit down the first domino, then all the rest of the things are going to kind of fall in place or they're going to fall down. And so that's what I think of when I think of chaos causer is like, what's the one thing that if I really focused on this one thing, it would have a ripple effect through the whole family. From a logical standpoint, right? 
it is most likely the thing that is causing the most like blocks in your day, right? This one single thing probably has ripple effects that will happen down the line. Like it'll like waterfall solutions. And when you can understand and, and connect with your kiddo and get to the bottom of that chaos causer, the it can free up so much like mental load and emotional load. And I bet you it's going to take care of four or five things that are not even the root cause because they they're going to have more emotional like uh, I don't know, like reservoir in their tank or whatever, like space in their tank to be able to handle those situations that are that are not ideal for them. And it doesn't mean that you're not addressing any of the other things going on in your family when you focus on one struggle. But what it means is you're putting the majority of your emphasis, the majority of your work, your problem solving, your collaboration towards just this one idea, this one topic, this one. We do this even in our business. Like we, one team, one focus. We'll say that all the time. And so if you can apply that to your family, one team, one focus, what is the thing we're really working on right now collaboratively together so that we can get to the bottom of it, we can get ahead of it, we can come up with a plan that works for everyone, I guarantee you, you're going to see a ripple effect in so many other areas that the next time you want to focus on something, it's going to be that much easier. So the connection piece. Now, we could we could do a whole episode on the connection piece for ahead of the moment. But the biggest thing is for connection, it's not the connection like most people think. It, it it includes like the playing with our kids and the hanging out with our kids, but this really is building a bond and a trust and a relationship. This is the stage where you are building a really good relationship through two different types of connection. We are doing it through planned connection, which is what lots of people think of when they think of connection, which is like, we're going to have a movie night. We're going to play Lego together. We are going right, to ice cream date or something. We're going to have an ice cream date or we're going to have a family game night or this parent I was talking to earlier, like, I just want to take them out cycling and, you know, and then everything's going wrong. And so we don't even get out the door going cycling. So it's those, those dates, those moments, those planned activities is one way of connecting. But if you only focus on those, you're going to run out of time and opportunities to build connection. And so the other way that you build connection is through teeny tiny, just what I call in-between moments. This is something that you and Elijah did. It was one of the first things that I kind of had you guys do on a whim when I learned about John Gottman's work and his magic five to one ratio that you need five positives for every one negative. And, you know, we were homeschooling and I was like, hey, Elijah, I've got an, an activity for you to do. And it really was just pinpointing one teeny tiny moment of connection in your day. Okay, so once upon a time, our oldest and I were pretty disconnected, right? Like if I put my mindset back to where we were, like in our worst times, right? Like this dude was the worst. He was the problem, right? If we just like didn't have him, we'd have this perfect family and, you know, just all of it, right? You started doing this thing. It was like psychological hack 101 or whatever you were thinking. (laughs) You started to Frankenstein this idea of how can I bring, you know, Jason and Eli together 
And you started doing a wins book, right? Where every day uh, my kid would come to me and say, hey, what's one thing that we can celebrate together? Or what's one thing you noticed that I did cool today or fun or well or whatever? And I mean, there was days where I was like, you opened the peanut butter jar for your sister, you know, like, because that's all I had, right? Because the other eight hours was him melting down over, you know, in my head, nothing at the time. And slowly over time, you start to recognize the moments that like, you really see the core of your kid. You see the sweet kid who's loving and wants to, you know, be there for his family and take care of them and be taken care of and be loved, right? And as we focused more and more on that, we started to build an actual relationship out of it. Yeah, and you guys actually, I think you have a beautiful relationship now. You're the one that gets him up in the morning. He responds to you way better than he does to me. And he really trusts you. If I go out of town, there's no problems with you being the one that's here for him. I mean, you know, with like the end of school and graduation, like he's definitely been super stressed. Um, it's harder for me to deal with him because he's like his logical circuits have gone offline. I think you have more patience in that department. But other than that, I mean, I can't even think of the last time that we had like an altercation, an argument or whatever, little one-offs here and there, but like no different than like you and I like being like, and then like walking (laughs) away. Um, So like anybody that you live with, like you have these moments where you kind of butt heads for a second, but there's nothing. Yeah. Like literally can't remember. Building this bond is such an important piece. And if you're, this is just a small tip. If you're struggling with siblings fighting all the time, this is the number one piece of advice that we give parents is to work on these positive interactions between the two kids. And sometimes you are manufacturing those events where you're saying, oh, look, your sister got you your toy or, oh, I noticed that, you know, your your brother helped you with the Lego and you're just helping notice the things that are happening, just like I did with our son and with Jason when they were in such a bad situation. And I did it out of desperation because I couldn't go to the grocery grocery store. I couldn't leave to the front door. You know, I could not leave the house without them exploding together. But we were in a place where his explosions on just a regular basis were much lighter. But when you added the two of them, they were oil and water. It was just, it was a bad situation. So that's why we, we started with this. Let's take it back to the UQ framework, right? Yep. We talked about you a little bit. We talked about connection a little bit. So let's talk about the understanding piece, right? Yeah. In the ahead of the moment stage, uh, talk to us about like the 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 key to understanding. Yeah. So the understanding piece ahead of the moment is that that is where you have the time to really pay attention to what's happening and to really think analytically and to think like a scientist and start kind of unraveling all the things that are happening. And there's a lot of common advice out there. And even educators, I was in the classroom for 
you know, over 12 years. And the common advice is to look at what happens right before and what happens right after a behavior. And then you can start to notice patterns between the behavior. But what I realized is that was not enough. That's not a holistic view of what's really yeah, it's happening. It's a really zoomed in version. It's super zoomed in. And so, you know, I might yell at Jason and he's like, dude, why did you just get upset with me? And then I'm like, oh, I'm not upset with you. 20 things before this just happened. And so that's what we're kind of doing in this stage is we call it the behavior spiral. We're spiraling out an incident and we're looking at it like a scientist through a camera lens, not he was disrespectful, he was rude, he was mean, but we're looking at, okay, what happened? What was the explosion? That's the epicenter. And then we're kind of backtracking it out, much like a spiral or a, a rolled up cinnamon roll. And you're really looking at what were the incidents and what were the things that happened? And they may be really small. Like I said this, he said that. I moved this way, he moved that way. I, you know, walked away and he ran after me. It could be really small like that. And you're backtracking it out to the moment where you're like, oh, he was really worried about that test today. Okay, maybe we can start making ahead of the moment plans for when he stressed about the test, right? Um, and, you know, I was talking with a parent the other day and she was talking about this big blow up she had with her daughter. And she said that they were doing something and she was being mean, quote unquote, being mean to her sister. And the mom said, quit being so mean to your sister. And the daughter just blew up at her zero to a hundred came out of nowhere, but it didn't because she said later they had this conversation. They were able to find out what happened. And earlier in the day, this little girl had gone to the therapist and was playing a game with a therapist, a brand new therapist. And the therapist said, didn't like the way the girl was talking to her and said, do you notice how you're talking to me? It's not very nice. It hurts my feelings. I'd like for us to work on this. And the girl got really upset and said, that's how everybody talks to me. Like, what are you talking about? And she said, I'm never going back to that therapist. She went on to ballet. She was fine at ballet. She got home. She had dinner. And then it was at the end of the night, there was this interaction. And the mom goes, why? Are, that's not nice. And it was the same thing that the therapist had said earlier today. You know, that's not nice. Yeah. So the, and the, had you not zoomed out through that, you know, the behavior yeah. spiral tool, right? You never would have discovered. She never would have discovered it, nor would she now be able to say, okay, we can make a plan for how you can let me know when your feelings are hurt or when you have an altercation with someone or when things are feeling like they're spiraling, you can come to me, we can take some breaks, we can get ahead of it before it happens again. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I can see really when you have that, that like curiosity hat on, mm -hmm. right. And you can kind of spiral the incident out, yeah. right. We can get to somewhere that is understandable, yeah. right. It's understandable that they had this stressful moment and it's understandable. Now the, 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 the backlash or the, the, you know, the, the little like mini meltdown or whatever. And now we can work with that, mm -hmm. right, which is really cool. So, uh, you know, that covers you. 
connect, understand. Let's talk about the empower piece yes. in, in Ahead of the Moment. This is one of my favorite parts of our Calm the Chaos program and system, and that is something we call huddles. So they're just collaborative conversations with your family. But unlike a family meeting where you're calling a family meeting only when someone's in trouble and everyone's like, oh no, mom's calling a family meeting. This is just a way of being. It's a way of having conversations. I'm just thinking about like family meetings as a kid. You're like, oh boy, somebody blew it. Somebody you did know? something. And then you got to sit in the uncomfortable like wooden chair and everyone's in the uncomfortable wooden chair. No one wants to talk. No one wants to get in trouble. Okay, so I was a middle kid and my oldest brother, he he got into all kinds of trouble. And my younger brother, he's kind of sneaky. Love him to death, but he was kind of sneaky. So they were always doing things. And then I was getting blamed for them. And I was so empathetic that if they were in trouble, I took the blame. So when we had a family meeting, I'd be like, I did it. <laughs> and my mom would be like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I'd be like, I did it. I did it. Like, don't do it. And we, I was raised in a family that did spankings and had switches and all of that. And if one kid got in trouble, we had to watch the other kids get spanked so that we would learn our lesson and not do the thing that the other kid did. And I couldn't handle watching my brothers get spanked. So I would take even, the spanking. Yeah, that's even more traumatic. Oh, it was so hard. So I would always be like, I did it. I did it. And I would take the spanking. And then sometimes I would get extra spankings because I lied about doing it. Makes total sense. Yeah. So anyways, so that is not what we're talking about like, here. That sorry, is sorry, mom. Uh, I, I love but, you to death, mom. Yeah. But um, yeah. So well, it's funny because uh, my dad tells stories of growing up. Um, you know, his mom died uh, like shortly after his baby sister was born, and I uh, was single dad with you know a zillion d kids, and when one kid screwed up, they all got whacked. You know, because it was like, look, I don't have time to deal with this. There's too many of you and only one of me. So I might as well just mow them all down. That's very similar to what happened here, I think, is yeah. that it was very much like if I teach one kid a lesson, then I'm teaching everybody a lesson. Yeah. So, And, and that's so, not what a huddle is. A huddle is, and, and they when we first started teaching this, it was kind of formal. It's not formal at all. And it's, it's really just conversation. Well, the, the funniest part, not to squirrel again. But we have you know, squirreled so much again. Sorry. But this one is 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 too good to share. So, you know, we had been teaching. It was a few years back. We've been teaching Calm the Chaos for five a, years back, four years back. Yeah. So we've been teaching for about a year and we are at an in-person retreat and there's like 10 of us. And we are trying to figure out why everyone is sort of like getting it wrong when it comes to huddles. We are talking to the, the 10 women at this retreat and we're trying to figure out what, what's going wrong with the way that we're teaching huddles. And we can't figure out why these people are, are making the mistakes, air quotes, you know, and they're like- Of being formal. Yeah, of like being formal or whatever the, the thing was. They felt like they had to sit around the table. Yeah, and they were like, the video is you guys sitting around a table and the, the, this formal thing, and it's a very formal discussion. I thought that's what we were supposed to do. And then we're like, oh my gosh, we just had this like simulated idea and we put it together. <laughs> we just totally failed at it. Yeah. So it's really funny. So the idea of huddles have come a long way, uh, even, in our, even in our own uh, evolution of Calm the Chaos. Yeah, because huddles, they... I, 
to give credit where credit's due, it came from a positive parenting kind of idea of having these family conversations and being able to problem solve and collaborate with your kids. And and that was kind of formal. You'd sit around the table and I have a picture of Jason at our first family huddle and he has his hoodie zipped up over his head and he's refusing to participate if you're hearing this and you're like, there's no way I'm getting my family around a table to discuss again, that's why I said in the book, this chapter really is like, it's really meaty. It's, it is worth its weight in gold for just this chapter alone. And so, because there are five different types of huddles that we go into in depth into, but the idea here is that you're having conversations that make it easy to brainstorm to collaborate, to solve problems, to celebrate wins, to debrief when things go bad. And you're you're working together to really create new plans for when these things go awry, these ahead of the moment plans. What do I do when my brother takes my toys? What do we do when the, you know, mom is on a phone call? What do we do when mom is sick? What do we do when mom is cooking and can't help us, right? There's they can be for small things. They can be for big things. What do we do when it's time to get off electronics? And so these ahead of the moment plans become like your blueprints for your kids and for you on how to navigate challenging situations. And you practice them out of out of the moment and you build skills. And this is where the magic starts happening is because you're doing this and because this becomes a way of being and a way of life, your kids start talking this way. And you'll end up having these stories where people in our program will say, oh my gosh, this happened at school today. The teacher called for a good reason to tell me that there was an argument on the playground and my daughter went in the middle of the argument and said, hey guys, hold on. I noticed that there's a problem. I wonder if we can come to a solution together. I'm curious what your concerns are. Oh, who has an idea? And then we went around, everybody had ideas. Okay, what are your concerns? And all the concerns. And it's like, okay, well, I think maybe moving forward, we could do this. Everybody okay with that? No, I'm not okay with that. Okay, what would you like? And they navigated the whole situation diffused the situation and created a plan for how they were going to navigate when everyone wanted the play structure at the same time. And this teacher was in awe, right? Because you're teaching kids not just how to behave, you're teaching kids how to navigate life, how to communicate, how to advocate, how to problem solve, how to, I mean, how to be compassionate towards others and, and listen to others. It's just... This is where the beauty of the framework really starts to come to life, I think. So just to recap, the purpose of the ahead of the moment plan is to be a guide and a mentor for your child and help them navigate challenging situations before they occur. Because if they've already occurred once, twice, multiple times, (laughs) likelihood is. It's going to occur again, right? And so having a plan for the next time it occurs is really powerful. And you do that by choosing one thing to focus on for a a good substantial amount of time. And then building that connection, that bond, that trust out of the moment through planned connection and in-between connection 
And then you spiral out the behavior with the behavior spiral. You start unraveling the behavior and the challenge and you start looking for what were the triggers? What was the tipping point? Where could you place a plan that would diffuse things sooner or actually almost like put a dam in the waterfall or the um, the spiral of things happening? At the end of the day, like we've been talking about this for a while and going through this, I think my favorite part about this is that when you have this approach, right, when you are no longer like my kid's the problem, et cetera, et cetera, you know, you have a relationship with your child where your child understands that you are on their side, mm-hmm. right? When you are not looking for problems, but you're looking for solutions, when you're not looking for who did what wrong, you are trying to look for what went wrong, mm-hmm. right? It just, it flips the whole thing on its side and you can build a connected relationship on like trust and mutual like mutual respect. And like, mm-hmm. it becomes this sort of like beautiful, unconditional love thing that happens. And like, who the heck doesn't want that? Right. And, you know, when I you were talking, I was just thinking about how it teaches kids skills, you know, especially through that last step of empowering yourself and your kids with huddles. It teaches skills so that your children don't need to scream at you to get their needs met. They don't need to hit their sibling to tell their sibling that they're not happy. They don't have to, you know, hide things or lie or sneak things because they're afraid of getting in trouble. They're able to communicate their needs, their frustrations, their challenges even if we're talking about toddlers or five-year-olds or we're talking about children who don't speak, there's still ways that they can communicate and get these needs met without it turning into these huge explosions or disconnection. In the next episode, it is where every family wants to get to. And that is a family that works together, a family that advocates for each other, a family that spends time together and they actually enjoy it. A family that communicates with each other. And that is the family success plan. And I cannot wait to share that with you guys in the next episode. It is, like I said, um, that ultimate destination that all of us as families want to get to. And so many of us feel like it's just not possible, but I guarantee you it is possible. We've seen Hundreds of thousands of families follow this exact same roadmap and go from surviving to thriving as a family, and you can too. So I want you to remember, you have got this. Oh, and before I go, one quick note for all of you who are enjoying the podcast. My new book is officially live, and I know you're going to love it. So just a quick reminder, you can go get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you do, you'll get some cool bonuses as well. Once again, Get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com and I'll see you next week.